This is the Better Life, Better Work Show, and I'm your host, Allison Crow. I'm a life and self-leadership coach for authentic and ambitious small business owners and professionals. I show up here in your ears as a transparent leader doing the same inner and outer work that you are. I'm here to remind you that you're probably a gardener and not a machine and that soft, sustainable and soulful success is actually available to you on your own terms. Emotional presence and wellness are also available to you as someone who juggles both an amazing business and a beautiful life. I'm here to remind you that more is not better, better is better. Hey, hey, welcome to the replay. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, I don't know what episode this is because I just don't. (laughs) Allison Crow here, your favorite life and self-leadership coach. And this episode is going to be a little different. Um, I have a bunch of little snack size insights for you all. And apparently I have a new lisp. Um, I have a bunch of little snack size insights for you all. I have quite a few journals in front of me. And then when I'm on coaching calls, I have uh, a stack of these five by eight or four by so I don't know, these note cards. <laughs> and I write these little insights and ideas that I have, sometimes my clients have, and I wanted to share in the form of little appetizers, some shorter insights that probably could be longer episodes, but we'll just play with this format and see. I did not do an episode last Sunday. And next Sunday, I'm going to be in Vegas celebrating my 50th birthday. So um, here is... Here are some of the things that are on my mind lately and that I am studying and learning and totally nerding out over. Obviously, self-leadership and internal family systems. Uh, Last week was a major... Okay, internal family systems, you all. Internal family systems is an experiential model. And I'm experiencing it many different ways. So I'm experiencing it as a student in Mm -hmm. trainings, And practicums, I'm experiencing it as a client. Um, I am finishing up with my year of coaching with my leadership coach, who is also certified in IFS. And I have just started um, my own personal therapy with an IFS therapist. And I am also um, doing IFS-inspired coaching with my clients. And so I'm definitely into self-leadership. And this week... The insight around IFS was so dang juicy. Um, in IFS, it's a it's a modality that that says that we are all all human beings have multiplicity of mind, so we have different parts. This is different from a diagnosable disorder of DID what used to be called multiple personality disorder, but that we have a core true nature, which is our self. And we um, have different parts. And so without even knowing this for years, all human beings, including myself, has said, a part of me knows that I'm capable of XYZ, but a part of me always stops myself. And so it's a lot of parts work. That is oversimplifying what IFS is. And Um, The idea is to lead the parts of us who 
all parts are, it also presupposes that all parts are benevolent and that we welcome all parts. And what I find incessantly in myself and in the world is that we deny and discourage the parts that make us uncomfortable. So we don't want to feel pain. We don't want to feel discomfort. We don't want to be bad. (laughs) And so um, many of these parts, all the parts have a job in the system, system being inside of you. And a lot of these parts are in jobs that are outdated and no longer serve you. So for example, procrastination, overthinking, right? I don't know anybody who doesn't overthink. (laughs) And so overthinking is my overthinking parts or parts of me that overthink are actually doing protective jobs. And they're protecting old wounds, inner core child, these kinds of things. And One of the insights I had this week in the experiential, the last week and this week, in the experiential practices of being in all three roles in IFS was that it is not just our, it is not just our inner wounded child that needs support, especially not just them. It is actually a core group of these highly functional highly vocal, very strong, very skilled, um, what a client and I call together. She, she calls her inner system. She like, she's like, I want everybody to come sit on the rug and get your snack. And like, she has these little inner team meetings. And I was like, yeah, you have your little group of kindergartners and there's a bunch of dang (laughs) co-teachers that come in or substitute teachers that come in and muck up your class. And so there are parts of us that it's so easy to go. I noticed in me and in many of my clients, it's actually easy to care for the deep wounds. It's much more nuanced and powerful. It's also, it's not more. It's also, it's easy to overlook caring for these parts that want to be right and good. And so that leads me to the next insight. I love feeling good, but I also was sick with the COVID for two and a half weeks and it was not fun. I'm boosted. I'm vaxxed. I'm all the things and I'm already experiencing allergies. Um, already had some doctors for allergies and some asthma stuff going on. And then I get the new version Omicron, which is adding more of what we in Texas call the crud to my sinuses and my experience. And it really hit me fatigue wise and it knocked my brain offline. Like I just couldn't think lots of rest required. And I remember one day a couple of weeks ago or last, not last weekend, but the weekend before like sleeping so much and I remember so, like subtly thinking something was wrong with me because I was sick. Like, so in the simplest terms, my brain was going, I'm sick. I don't feel good. I'm bad or I'm not enough. And I don't have a real verbal, um, I, I don't talk mean to myself out loud, um, not just out loud, but to myself. I generally speak very kindly to myself, but these certain layer of, parts that are wanting me to be enough and wanting me to be productive and wanting me to be likable and and that want us to they're in in the modality they're called protectors and managers and so protectors can be either managers or they're firefighters and firefighters like 
show up for disasters. <laughs> but protectors are like the, all the all the parts of you that help you do good at your job and help you become a good parent. Those are protectors. But sometimes they're protecting the wrong thing. So this concept in a couple of conversations I'm massaging out is we know that hopefully you know, you know that when you are loving in your own self, when you are loving to your own self, it is easier to love the world outside of you. When you speak kindly to yourself, you literally, through your thoughts and emotions, change your neurobiology and the electromagnetic field around you that quantum physics talks about, and that connects to infinite. (coughs) And It's easy to say, I did a good job at something. I love me. (laughs) I had a good hair day. I love me. And what if we tack on in the spirit of both and what if we tack on, I am suffering and I love me. I'm feeling anxious and I love me. And normally what we do, and there is a whole process behind this that I work with my clients, but I'm talking about like the short mental tapas, the mantras that we say in our head that can run on and on and on. And I know many people whose anxiety can really, they're overthinking smart people. It happens with smart people a lot because you smart people with bright ideas, your, your thoughts either serve you or they destroy you. But we can't solve overthinking with more thoughts. So, um, what if it is, I'm angry and I love me. I'm not very creative today and I love me. And so, what it is, is it is a love and acceptance for all the human states that you be. Because being sick, no matter what your fucking religion told you, God bless you, God bless me, no matter what your religion told you, no illness is because of your sin, <laughs> okay? And somewhere in conversation after conversation over the past 18 years of coaching, I hear the nuances of these beliefs that automatically assign good or bad. We even call emotions positive or negative. This is a pet peeve of mine. I personally believe there are no negative emotions. And I that I said that on Instagram once and there was an uproar. And a woman said, what about somebody who is abusive to me because they're narcissistic? Being narcissistic is not negative. Having narcissistic thoughts and emotions is not negative. Behavior can be useful or unuseful, kind or unkind. Get that distinction. And what I notice in the most amazing people is in your brains, if you are not performing (laughs) at all levels, there is also a very subtle part of your brain that is saying equals I'm bad. And what I want to do in practice, because here's what's fun. I can be suffering with COVID or I can be suffering in, I totally had an emotional meltdown about something. That's another podcast I'm processing on the learnings from that. But I can have some emotional suffering 
And instead of saying, stop suffering, like how many of you have been crying and someone said, don't cry? Do you not just want to backslap them with your hand or forget the backslap, like the part of me that wants to punch people? Don't ever tell somebody who's crying to stop crying. Don't tell somebody who's feeling bad to feel better. It's rude. (laughs) And it's not helpful. It actually doesn't help them. And so what if it's like, oh, I feel bad and I love me. Oh, I'm frustrated. I'm off and I love me. Because what you're doing is compassionately accepting the current state, which is not your identity. And Dr. Carolyn Leaf describes identity as, what does she say? She calls it um, think, feel, choose. I love that. She says your identity is made up your thinking and your feelings and the choices you make. Right. So this is why the person who has narcissistic thoughts and emotions is not good or bad. The behavior they can I can think and feel murder. And if I choose murder in my actions, then I am a murderer. Y'all tracking with me? <laughs> right? Like and And I'm sorry, but if you haven't thought murder, I'm not talking plotting it. Please don't come after me, government. I'm not really doing it. But like, it is a human experience to like be so frustrated or so angry or so raging that you just want to stab somebody. I don't even have knives to do that. So don't take this seriously. But like think, feel, choose. The combination of those and choose is another word for the embodied action. And all you people who got suckered into this live or this podcast because the title was Snacks for Bright Minds, your idea and ideas and insights that you get and learning without any choice that brings that idea or thinking or feeling into action is wasted energy. (laughs) It's exhausting. Right. And so one of the ways that you actually change your brain and you can support, like literally change your habits and change the way you think. Um, I, I don't believe that we're a victim of our nurture and nature. I believe that we have nurture, nature and our choices and our choices because our brain is developing forever. Um, it's cute. Like one of the things I have a couple clients that have kids that are between 18 and 22 and <clears throat> their sweet kids are adults, but they also haven't fully developed abstract thought. And it's really challenging to parent kids a, but B it's really challenging to parent kids who seem like adults, but they're not able <laughs> to completely Think abstractly like we can at 50. Yes, I'm turning 50. Let me just make that announcement. My birthday is February 6th. I'm turning 50. Celebrate me. Buy me gifts. Send me cash. Send me money. I'm not asking to donate this year for 50. It's all about me. Okay, let, what are some other things? So that, that's the second one. I don't really have a numbered list, but the second one is I can be suffering, whatever the suffering is, plus I am love. Instead of suffering or off equals bad, Suffering plus I am love. That that could solve a lot of world problems. Okay. Uh, Let's see what some of these other things are. 
Um, I am really big on emotions have wisdom. This is another reason we can move towards them. We don't have to move away from them. We don't have to silence them. Um, I have a friend that told me about a run they went on and the entire entire they are running. They were overthinking and overthinking and overthinking and overthinking. And the whole time they were on the run, she was thinking, I've got to stop overthinking. And she never stopped overthinking. And I was like introduced to the concept of, well, what if you had a conversation with your overthinking parts while you're running and listen to their wisdom? Here's Listen to this. Listen to this. Pay attention. You can listen without agreeing. And if you are not able to listen to somebody or a part of yourself without agreeing, you got some internal work to do. I got some internal work to do. There are some people's viewpoints I don't want to listen to. And I close my heart because I don't agree. But what we all need to practice is listening with an open heart without having to believe or agree the person right? We've lost the art of listening to others. Why? Because we have lost the practice of listening to ourselves. Um, I definitely am into mindset, but mindset without emotions and the body is toxic positivity. Um, I could go on about that. Let's see. I'm considering a handful of books, book, um, making progress on my book and actually starting a second one that should be real easy to write. But um, yeah, um, my title has cuss word in it. (laughs) One of two, either the F word or the S word. Okay, let's see what else. Another thing I'm working on, um, which I am learning. So let's just talk real life stuff. Um, One of the things I'm learning is that my particular adult expression of childhood trauma And personally, I've never met anybody that doesn't have childhood trauma. So mom and dad, this is not a reflection on you. I love you. I got everything I needed and I didn't get the things that I may have needed, but it worked out fine because it's making me learn these things. So I hold nothing against mom and dad. Um, But one of the things, one of the characteristics I've noted, um, I've, thank you, Linda, for that. One of the things I've noticed about people-pleasing personalities. And so, which is interesting because I have family members whom I love and will keep private. I have a bunch of brothers and sisters, but one of my siblings um, is not a people-pleaser and they connect through conflict. (laughs) I do not connect through conflict. And um, so my, like, I was a conflict avoidant person which led me to having very few boundaries, which led me to trusting people before they had earned my trust. My other sibling, my sibling, my other sibling who kind of connects through conflict subconsciously and because of trauma, they, it's so fascinating. We love having these conversations together, but it's so fascinating because they showed up in the world very protective and I showed up in the world very kind. And we both had the same experience of trauma. And um, so we all have different ways, but often there are people who are aggressors and defenders. And then there are those of us who are people pleasers and over functioners and over functioners is my specialty. <laughs> Super people pleaser. Yes, Christina, right? Like over functioner people pleasers are my specialty. Why? Because it's, It is that which I have lived and loved and I am learning to 
don't even want to call it overcome. I'm learning to, I'm learning to be intentional, right? There's some places I really want an open heart. So I'm working on my own personal model. It is not fully developed yet, but I'm working on my own personal model, drawing idea, diagram, concept of what I call internal safety. And I realize that I spend a lot of times in curated spaces, right? And so there's private levels of internal safety, like the inner circle people who you ought to be like, you built, like I've built trust with my husband, honestly, and it wasn't my husband's fault. It was mine, but it took me years to trust my current marriage. We've been married 14 years this year. Um, It took, and we've been together for 16 years this week, It took me years to build that. I had a good friend before that who I, and myself, who I trusted. And then there's like my level of family, those that I trust. And then I, this is my big distinction. Okay. And this applies especially to my coachy coach people because, and like I see that uh, my friend, Christina Berkeley, who I really admire and think is so wise. And we've been having some fun having conversations We, Christina and I have something in common and all my clients do. We are often putting ourselves in curated spaces. Okay. So these are spaces where we trust the leader. We know the leader. Maybe we've worked with the leader privately and we know their filter for who's allowed in the room. So in the same way that if you move into a neighborhood, you may not go over to your neighbor and have a willy-nilly wide open heart conversation because you don't really know much about them, right? Like trust takes time. This is something somebody said to me when I was 28, 31 years old. And I was like, oh my God, that makes sense. I, here's another little top of pay attention here. So growing up in the church, I confused and the church and a church school. And this was not put on to me by my parents, but I picked this up from my school, which told me I was going to hell. Um, internal say, oh, faith and trust. There's a distinction between faith and trust. Faith is a magical believing without any evidence, right? Trust, and so, but you hear, trust God, trust God, trust God. And so I think we confuse faith and trust, faith and trust, and faith and trust. Faith for me is one thing, but I confused it with trust for years. And then I learned that trust takes time and trust takes testing. Trust, the reason I watched when I was a kindergarten teacher and I watched kindergartners tie their shoes, they would throw hissy fits trying to tie their little shoes because. They didn't have trust that they could do it. They didn't have the skill built over time. Now, you and I, we, you could drive your car, put your shoe up on the console and tie it while eating a cheeseburger and looking at your phone. I'm not saying do that. I'm not saying endorse it, but you could do it because you've done it so many times. And so Allison, full-blown adult, is finally realizing, A, I've been in curated incubated spaces most all of my life, (laughs) right? Like little, I call them little Petri dishes. So I had the Petri dish of my private school and I had the Petri dish of my neighborhood. And they're really, frankly, very sheltered. And yes, I've been out in the world and I've traveled and I've met all sorts of people. 
And a lot of the spaces I am are either full on public, like if I go to a concert, right? If I go to a concert, and a lot of times when I would go to concerts with my husband, my, I would get into sensory overload because I would be taking on the energy outside because I didn't know how to create internal safety. And so I didn't realize, and what I'm so clear on now, that I have just automatically, this is a luxury. <laughs> this is not available to marginalized people. Let me just acknowledge that. Because as a cis white woman, I have a lot of implied privilege safety in the spaces that I go. There are some spaces as a woman, not so much. But in general, I ran around the world just feeling safe. And I might know that when I go to a concert, there might be a drunk girl throwing up on me or people driving me nuts or whatever. But most of the spaces were curated. They were chosen. The people in the room were generally chosen. Okay, not so much for college, but definitely um, when I was in the real estate world, a lot of people are into personal development. Um, And... When I'm a client in the room, I've usually chosen the leader based on what I know about them and their ability to curate a room. Well, I got into a room that wasn't curated and it was a room of professionals, but I was so an automatic pilot, I assumed safety instead of tested for safety. And so this is helping me. I have um, so public, public, it's a public space but curated. And then I have open territory (laughs) and then I have the wild public. And so I'm not finished developing this model of internal safety, but I do think it's interesting. Two things. I'm not a big fan of Paris, France. I've been to Paris a couple times and I had a roommate who had band members who were from France and France and I just don't have enough time on task to trust each other. (laughs) And um, while I do love, I will totally admit, I love play slot machines. My husband and I love to go play slot machines together. And when we lived up in the Dallas area, we were driving across the border all the time, like two little old people having the time of our life playing slots. So I decided, I don't don't know where this came out of. I think I saw something on the TV about Adele playing in Las Vegas. And something in me was like, I want to have my birthday party at Las Vegas. Now, mind you, I'm a highly sensitive person. I have ADD. I can get overstimulated really quickly. And I was like, why do I want to have it at Las Vegas? Because normally I get really overwhelmed. And I was like, oh, I've actually learned how to create internal safety despite the external crowd if I know (laughs) like I know how to go into a crowd and create my own internal bubble of safety now but there is this um and it was interesting because I had friends who were invited to come were like I don't want to go I don't like Las Vegas I don't like to feel you know no it's going to have an impact on me and I used to be that way so I get it but I'm also loving the liberation of being able to go to Las Vegas and have a 50th birthday party. And I decided to stay at the Paris hotel and I'm having Paris and Vegas 50th birthday for myself. Super fucking excited. But what I love is that I have, instead of dread about going to the sin city, um, I'm not a debaucherous drinker. I'm a light drinker. Um, I'm certainly not into a lot of, I just not into, I like to play the slot machines and get a spa and eat good and see all the lights. Um, That's my version of Vegas. It's not bachelor party style, but I'm able to go. And 
someone said, oh, I can't stand the energy of Vegas. And my honest belief, because it came out of my mouth the other day and I realized it, this is how much I've shifted, right? By thinking, feeling, and choosing my brain, mind, body experience is Vegas bends to the energy that I bring to it. Now, (laughs) that's easy for a place like Vegas where I know there's going to be threats. And what tripped me up last week? was going into a room where I assumed because it was a certain kind of professional person that there was capacity for all of our humanness and there wasn't. And it's okay. It all worked out perfect. I'll tell, I'll tell more of that story as I process it. Um, but what happened was I found myself in a triggered – I don't get triggered real easy – And then I get triggered really easily (laughs) and I found out, okay, so here's another top. I wasn't going to go into this, but I found out there's this thing for people with ADD called rejection sensitivity dysphoria, perfectly capable, normal people that every once in a while step on a landmine that sets off an alarm somewhere in your nervous system, in your body and makes you extremely sensitive inappropriately and disproportionately to the stimulus. And that happened to me last week. There was so much learning about it, but another time. Um, This is, this is, I'm not going to tell you this person's name, but she was talking. There's a, there's a state. So I'm moving on to the next tapas and then I'll finish up. I have therapy shortly. Um, I had a client that was sharing some um, stories with me. Also, for the record, this particular client has released all confidentiality. I'm not going to tell you her name, but I'm allowed to tell her stories free. I have that in writing. Um, She said she was sharing all these things she's learned, and she kind of had a meltdown last week. And she goes, it's so ugly when I'm blended. And what blended is, in IFS terms, is blended is when this part is leading instead of self-energy. And so when we're having a meltdown, that's not self-energy. It's not bad. Remember, I'm having a meltdown and I'm lovable. But she said, it's so ugly. And there was that little catch again. Like we have decided that it's ugly or that it's bad when we're having a meltdown instead of I'm so human. (laughs) I had a meltdown. And that's why I'm publicly willing to kind of sheepishly, pretty soon I'll be able to own it completely, this hypersensitive rejection, hypersensitive dysphoria. Like I'm a perfectly functioning adult until I hit the landmine that causes me. It just, it just hits something in my system. So I'm admitting like I also am fully functional and capable and emotionally strong. And every once in a while I've hit a pocket. It's human. Um, Here was another one. She was said she was telling herself, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We've been told, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I was talking to a friend um, who is a Christian this week and I could hear in their language. They were saying, I'm trying not to be afraid. I'm trying not to be afraid. And I was like, sweetheart, be afraid. Like what if it's okay to move toward like, Instead of trying to push this fear away, sit and listen to it again. So this this concept of moving towards these uncomfortable parts, we're making up all these stories and we're following all these implicit implied rules and it's hurting us. I heard a statistic the other day that 
Um, 90% of the deaths in the United States are related to chronic stress and suicides. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we talked about internal safety. Oh, here's another one. This is a cool one. This is from my client, Annette. Annette is awesome. She um, is a long-term member of my high-end mastermind. She runs three businesses. She um, has a grown kid and the kid's still in her house. And um, she works with a lot of different practitioners. Um, She's a student of life. But she checked in the other day and said, um, oh, I've been doing this thing. I check in with my head. I check in with my body. And I check in my brain. And I love this goes right along with everything that I've been studying independent of that. Leroy, come here. Leroy's all excited. I'm going to let him out. (laughs) And then I'm going to come back and finish up. Um, so I love this and I'll finish up with this. This is really, um, this is a really sweet practice that as you check in with yourself and I'm a big believer of checking in with yourself. I'm a big believer of not believing everything you think. And I'm a big believer in noticing. And I think a great journal exercise, or if you're able to do it without the journal and just do it in your own mind's eye is what does my heart want me to know? What does my body want me to know and what does my brain want me to know and I pretty much would bet money that good money that I would put into a slot machine I don't think of it as gambling I think of it as entertainment Um, I would bet money I mean I've done my own version of these practices it'll change your life if you will start listening just listen to the wisdom of your brain listen to the wisdom of your body listen to the wisdom of your heart And you'll notice that a lot of times your brain is lying to you. So um, let me look through my stack and see if there's any more little good things. Um, I did hear someone say this week, and it was really inspiring, that it is so much easier to help people when you are rich as fuck. I thought that was fun. And it is. I do always tell my clients, here's another little top up for you. Please do not use your business Do not use your for-profit business for charity. Use the profit from your business to support charities you believe in. But none of this bartering, none of this lowering your prices, none of this giving your shit away. If you want to be equitable, then create an equitable program, but you don't necessarily have to lower your prices, right? You can there's ways to do it. But if you want to really help make money so that you can help. Okay. Um, fall in love with your life is about falling in love with yourself. Joy comes from loving yourself. Drive comes from loving yourself. And that's what I have for you. So that is my little <laughs> on the spot live recorded a podcast called Insight Tapas Snacks for Bright Minds. And I would love to hear if any of those really zinged with you or helped you. Um, thank you for your precious commodity of attention. Thank you for your heart. My joy is to love on myself and lead myself, to love on my people, to share my heart, to show my work and make my offers. And with that, we are enrolling for a little while longer in the Solis Self-Leadership Society. It is a coaching membership where the intersection of going after something in the business and self-leadership 
intersect the intersection of where things intersect. Um, but those are the two, those are the two crisscrosses, right? Like this direction of inter- deep internal work and self-leadership. How do you lead yourself emotionally? How do you lead your thoughts? How do you leave the embodiment of your desires with the going after something? Um, this last month, our theme was visibility. I tricked my clients into thinking they were doing marketing, but what they were really doing was um, loving themselves so that their energetic field was changing. And a bunch of them got clients without even marketing. This next month in February, the theme and the context of solely self-leadership is fall in love with your business again. So we are, um, if we're going to be in love, that means We also have to look at not just the things we like, but where can we eliminate fear and resistance or where can we learn from? See, look, there I go with that word eliminate. Where can we lead our fears? Where can we lead our doubts instead of our fears and doubts uh, leading us? And that is how we love, fall in love with our businesses again. Thanks for spending time with me. You can find more um, at alisoncur.com. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode and want to dive deeper, come check out the Solely Self-Leadership Society. It's my online coaching membership community, a networking community, a place to belong, and a place where you can be coached by me in life and business. We dive deep into the practices of both being and doing that help us create our unique version of soulful success It's a special community of small business owners just like you, and it's where I show up and give my clients personal support at an accessible fee. Check it out at www.coachwithallison.com. As always, thanks for listening, and I want to give a special shout out to Elise Rich from Wide Awake Recordings for her sound production each week on my episodes, especially the car episodes, and for her music composition for my intro and outro. This show is sponsored by my three dogs, Leroy Brown, Clementine, and Rocky Potato. They're here to remind you to consider adopting when you get your next pet. More is not better, better is better.